The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Our reading today comes from Exodus chapter 40. It's going to be the last message in our series on the Exodus. Next week, we'll see us starting a new series in Ephesians. But today, we're looking at Exodus chapter 40. We're only going to do a part of this passage. And we're going to be talking about the tabernacle, this tent of meeting. So please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 40. We'll start at verse 17 and go through to verse 33. Exodus chapter 40, verse 17. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent, of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil And arranged the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting, opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle. And set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil. And burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and poured water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet when they went into the tent of meeting. And when they approached the altar, they washed, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. This is the word of the Lord, let me pray. Our loving Lord, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for all that you've been teaching us throughout this book. We just ask this morning that your Holy Spirit will come to us, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truths about who you are and what you have done for us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray these things for his glory. Amen. Now I realise that for some of you it might be cruel for me to be talking about camping during these days of restriction. 
and talking about a tent of meeting might see you starting to daydream and reminisce of camping trips in the past. No doubt you'll be thinking about the elaborate setups of some of those tents and campsites. Maybe you're reminded of the relationships that were formed there or deepened there. Or maybe you're, you're thinking of the rest and the rejuvenation that is experienced when you go camping. When we go camping, you know, there's two things that can make or break the experience. It's the quality of the people and the quality of the tent. We see here in Exodus 40, the tabernacle, this tent of meeting, wasn't just like any other ordinary tent. It was truly extraordinary. It was an experience. What makes it extraordinary is not its size or what it's made of or what it's decked out with. What makes this tabernacle truly extraordinary is the quality of the person whose presence is there. See, this tent belongs to the God of Israel. And he has prescribed how it was to be made, who was to make it, what was to go inside. And through the tabernacle, the God of Israel will dwell with his people. But why would the God of the universe dwell in a tent? And why would God desire to go camping with his people? Those are great questions. I'm glad you asked. Today we're going to focus on two aspects of this tabernacle and seek to answer those questions for you. The aspects we're going to focus on are the proclamation of the tabernacle and the position of the tabernacle. See, the tabernacle proclaims to Israel the reality of God's presence with them. It also proclaims the requirements for them to come into God's presence. Its position reminds Israel that God desires relationship with them. That he is with them and for them, whatever they are going through. While our reading was taken from Exodus chapter 40, the topic of the tabernacle has loomed large since chapter 25 of Exodus. See, there we notice that some questions remain unanswered. The Israelites would have been asking themselves, how is God going to keep the promises that he made to them back in Exodus 3 and Exodus 6? where he promised to be with his people and to bring them into their new promised land. So we see, therefore, in Exodus 32, the Israelites take matters into their own hands and they make for themselves a golden calf. Now, this calf was intended to be a real tangible place for them to experience God's presence. It was to be a point of contact between them and God. Back in the days of ancient Egypt, young calves and bulls were used as pedestals for the gods to sit on, rest on, or to stand over. So in Exodus 32, the Israelites are associating God's presence 
with this golden cow. This stands in contrast with the tabernacle, the place where God has determined to have his presence dwell with his people. So whilst both signify God's presence with them, only the tabernacle can truly facilitate God's presence with his people in relationship with them. Yahweh is seeking relationship with his people and the tabernacle proclaims this. We're told that it is a tent of meeting where the holy God of the universe lowers himself and comes down to meet with his people. The construction of it has been initiated by God. It's been articulated by him and it's been provided for by him. The golden calf cannot compare. See, the golden calf was an impersonal object. It was made through man's initiative and to man's specifications. It represents an impersonal God. And it would be used as a tool for people to manipulate the favour of the God they worshipped. The tabernacle was the opposite. It was a personal place made through God's initiative and to God's specifications. It shows the Israelites that their creator and redeemer is a personal God. It is a place where they can celebrate the favour that God has already shown to them. Time and time again throughout this series in the Exodus, I've found myself realising that I'm not so different to the Israelites. I too am someone who cries out to God when I need saving, yet then grumbling against him. Maybe I become impatient in his timing or start overstating what life without him was truly like. Are you the same? The golden calf incident in Exodus 32 reveals something that is true for all humanity. If we do want God, we want him under our control. We want to be able to manipulate him, to twist his arm or to call in a favour when it suits us. We want to maybe discover magic words that we can pray to him to force him to answer our prayers. Maybe we want him to be able to come with us where we want to go and when we want to go there. Friends, we might say that we want God, but if we do, sometimes we want it on our terms. The tabernacle shows us the relationship with God doesn't work that way. The tabernacle proclaims deeper truths about the presence of God in relationship with his people. It represents the reality of God's presence with them. It also represents, shows the requirements of God's presence with them. We see these in the, the furniture and the layout of the tabernacle. The layout reminds the Israelites that Yahweh is the God of creation, who is present with his people in the Garden of Eden. 
People approach God from the east and flow to the west. And the images of cherubim are there protecting the presence of the almighty God. The furniture reminds Israel that God is the source, the provider and sustainer of life. The table that holds bread represents God's abundant and sustaining provision for his people. The lampstand reminds them of the the tree of life, the true source of life for them. The ark represents God's personal presence that we see with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the altar of incense, this altar that is crowned in gold, represents conversational access between God and his people. See, whilst the presence of God could be seen by all, physically coming into that presence was another thing. It was something that was only for a selected few, and it had certain requirements. Meeting with the God of creation first requires a sacrifice at the bronze altar. And that sacrifice is to cover the shame and the sin that those people bore. They were also required to wash and to cleanse themselves then at this bronze basin. Covering and cleansing were required for Israelites to come into the presence of God. Now, as significant as the proclamation of the tabernacle is to the Israelites, the position of the tabernacle is also significant. Let me read from Exodus 40, from verses 34 through to 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Do you see the position? Numbers 2 helps us to see the position. Isaac mentioned that in his talk. God's tabernacle is set up right in the middle of the Israelite camp. Now remember how these Israelites have acted towards their God. They've tested God. They've grumbled against him. Grumbled against the provider of everything that they needed. They've rejected God, the terms of his relationship, and they went and built a golden cow. Yet despite the rebellion of the Israelites towards their creator, God comes near, right in the middle, right into the heart of where they are. In the tabernacle, God makes himself obvious to the the Israelites so that he can be seen by them and be associated with them. The God of Israel is not some distant God. 
His dwelling place is not a destination to make a pilgrimage to. He is the relational God who pitches his tent right in the middle of his people. But why dwell in a tent? Well, it's because through it, God can be seen by his people. He can be right there with them. And he can associate with them right throughout their journeys. Can you imagine what that must have been like? To be able to to see the presence of God himself before your eyes. Day in, day out. Friends, that tabernacle, tabernacling with his people is not just something that God left in the Exodus. He did it again when Jesus was born. In Jesus, we again see the tabernacle, the reality of God's presence with his people. Jesus Christ fulfills the tabernacle's proclamation and also he fulfills the tabernacle's position. As the Apostle John highlights in his gospel, Isaac read it earlier, verse 14. We see here the proclamation, but also the position of God with his people. God again comes to dwell with his people, but this time by becoming one of us. He shows that God desires relationship with people still, that he is for them, that he is with them, whatever they are going through. John 1.14 tells us, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The proclaiming presence of God tabernacles with us. In Jesus, God puts on the tent of humanity. Despite the rebellion of humanity towards their creator, God comes near to all of mankind. In Jesus, God makes himself obvious to the world, to be seen by us and to be associated with us. Jesus proclaims the reality of God's presence as the provider and the sustainer of life. Listen to what he says about himself in John 6. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus again says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He goes on in John 8 to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not only does Jesus proclaim the presence of God, he also fulfills the requirements needed to come into God's presence. In John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You might might have heard the words of John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
In Jesus, the requirements for relationship with God have been fulfilled, friends. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we can receive the, the covering and the cleansing that is needed to come into the presence of God. And the tabernacling, God tabernacling with his people doesn't stop with Jesus. Everyone who entrusts their life to Jesus will have the Spirit of God tabernacle in them. Jesus says in John 14, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I have not left you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Friends, God still wants to go camping with his people today. Which brings us to the questions you asked me earlier. Why would God want to go camping with us? Well, because he loves us. And he wants you to see him and to be associated with him, to know him. In seeing Jesus, you see God. And Jesus has done everything that is required for us to come into God's presence. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past, if you've messed up or you've rejected him in the past. The question is, will you accept him now? Will you accept God on his terms? Or will you keep trying to accept God, have God accept you on your terms? If you are friends, I encourage you to talk to him about it. Jesus still wants to be associated with and seen through Christians today. The church is like the tabernacle of God in the world today. Through us, the Spirit of God positions himself among people who reject him to proclaim the reality of God's presence. When people look at us, they should again see the tabernacle of God. They should see his presence in the world. And this is the challenge for us, friends. When people look at us, is Jesus what is clearly seen or is it something else? Do they see the presence of a God who brings life to people? Or do they see a God who sucks life from people? Do they see the God who lives in relationship with his people? Or do they see a God who is impersonal and distant? Friends, the challenge for us as a church is this. God wants to dwell in this world through his people. And he wants to do that through us. Let's be a people who really live in relationship with God, despite what that might mean. 
Let's be a church who show people who Jesus really is. Let me pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for taking us through this book. For opening our eyes as we've been travelling to see that you are a loving, redeeming God, that you are a powerful God, that you are a God of new creation, that you are a God of relationship. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have come and revealed the Father to us. You have proclaimed his presence and you have made a way for us to come into that presence. Lord, there will be some of us gathered today who do not yet know you, who do not yet know the presence of God in their lives. We ask that your spirit will be revealing you to them today. Show us who you are, we pray. Lord, there will be others of us who have proclaimed that we know you. But Lord, as we examine our lives, we start to wonder, are you truly seen through us? Lord, that is your work. That is your spirit's work in us. And we just ask that you would forgive us of this. And that you'll work through your spirit in a mighty and powerful way to reveal yourself through us to this world. For the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.